And speaking of Facebook, Dorothy will post that video to Facebook, and it'll be a lot clearer if you want to share it with your friends or anyone who's not here this morning who didn't get to see it. So look for Dorothy's post on that, that video. He's got a lot more videos, too, if you're interested. Uh, as you saw in several slides, the theme of the conference was United in Diversity. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for your prayer support for all those who prayed for us. As much as going, uh, prayer is important in missions. For any missionary, it's critical uh, that they have people praying for them. Because if God's not there, you can have the best heart. But if God's not there, it's, it's useless. So thank you for everyone uh, for supporting us and praying for us. Uh, there were 16 countries represented at the conference. We arrived on Thursday morning, and the conference was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of that, of that weekend. And as I said, the theme is United in Diversity. There it is in Spanish. And it was truly a diverse uh, conference. There was diversity of people, languages, messages. There was, I think, at least four different languages fluently spoken uh, by people there and 16 different countries, at least, that I could count. Uh, so there's a lot of different people at this one vineyard conference. It's like we could go to in Colorado or whatever. It was another conference, but I don't think you'll find 16 countries represented at our U.S. Vineyard Conference. Uh, so a truly remarkable experience to have been part of that. Uh, the keynote speakers are John and Eleanor Mumford, who are the leaders of the vineyard in the United Kingdom. They coordinate the whole U.K. vineyard effort. Uh, Phil Strout, who is in Maine, he is actually taking over for Vineyard USA uh, January 20, or 2013, I believe. Uh, and he actually was one of the first missionaries in Chile who brought the vineyard to Chile. And David Ruiz, who is currently a pastor in L.A. So they had some great speakers, and there was a diversity of messages. Uh, throughout the conference, it was worshiping, singing, God, praising God, and also hearing uh, breaking into workshops, different, a whole bunch of different speakers um, talked about different topics, and then they had corporate time of message as well. And the messages were a big variety, very diverse, and we'd like to present a couple messages that me and Dorothy uh, got out of this. Uh, we each took back a little different, something different uh, that touched our hearts, and we'd like to share that with you. Uh, go ahead. So I'm going to start out reading in Luke chapter 10, verse 30 to 37. If you'll permit me, this is the Robert Eby translation, modern day. Um, there was once a man traveling from Austin to San Antonio. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off, leaving him for dead. Luckily, a pastor was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. Then a Red Cross worker showed up. He also avoided the injured man. A gay man traveling on the road came to him. When he saw the injured man and his condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he put him in his car, took him to a hotel, and made him comfortable. In the morning, he took out $200 and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll be back tomorrow to pay you back. Uh, so this is kind of a modern translation of a Good Samaritan story we know so well. Uh, to, put it, to put it into today's perspective, because a Samaritan we don't really identify with, but I think we all know 
You could substitute any number of individuals for that gay person I used, a Muslim. Uh, think about the person you're most prejudiced against and put that in the story. Um, go ahead. Uh, there's a poster, you can't read it, but it says, Every child instinctively knows what many adults have long forgotten. Our differences are not something to be tolerated. They're something to be celebrated. Go ahead. Uh, I want to make a note that I use the example of a gay person. We're not to love the sin, but we're to love the sinner. Christ never said, love sin. God hates sin. But the people, he said, love everybody. Love your neighbor as yourself. And no matter what their sin, you have sin too. Don't hate the person. Hate the sin. Uh, I'm sorry, go back again. If A way to put it is, if you look at that poster, each color is a different sin. Each hand is a sinner. You don't have to like the color purple to see this picture. You don't have to like the color red. You can hate red and purple. Fine. But you have to love the hands on the picture. They're all created by people. You don't have to hate the, you don't have to love the sin, but you have to love the sinner. Go ahead. The concept of diversity encompasses acceptance and respect. It means understanding that each individual is unique and recognizing our individual differences. These can be along the dimensions of race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, socioeconomic status, age, physical abilities, religious beliefs, political beliefs, or other ideologies. It is the exploration of these differences in a safe, positive, and nurturing environment. It is about understanding each other and moving beyond simple tolerance to embracing and celebrating the rich dimensions of diversity contained in each individual. So as I said, it's not something to be tolerated. It's something to be celebrated. It makes us stronger. Uh, let me use an example from the plant kingdom. Uh, when you're doing agriculture or forestry, diversity is healthy, um, is a healthy concept. In nature, you'll always see diversity. You'll never see a monoculture, a single species spread throughout. There's different grasses, different flowers, different trees, and in agriculture, there's different types of crops you can plant. And until recently, diversity was essential for agriculture because plants would support each other. One plant provided what another one needs to survive. They would uh, mutually benefit each other. Uh, diversity helps resist disease and insects. When you have a monoculture, when you have just one giant field of crop, if, an, if a pest comes and destroys that crop, it's going to wipe everything out. If, um, if there's a disease, it's going to kill everything. Uh, diseases usually target one specific plant. But if you have diversity, the other species will protect that weaker species. It will help prevent the disease from entering in. And likewise, in our lives, when we have diversity, we can hold each other up, keep each other accountable. One person's sin may be different from another. One person's experience may be different from another. We don't have to see eye to eye to respect each other. In fact, it helps us when we have different experiences to build each other up and to say, hey, it's okay, I've been through that. Let me tell you how I survived. 
like fertilizer as well. When you have a monoculture, you have to have fertilizer because, like I said, diversity, diverse plants support each other. But when you have one species, they soak up all the nutrients in the soil, and you have to apply fertilizer. Diversity of people provides fertilizer for each other. Instead of needing input and input of, of God's word or pastoral care or whatever kind of fertilizer you want to put into your life, um, whatever that may be, diversity of people, having unique individuals, different races, cultures, genders. I set a list a second ago of different types of diversity. It all helps support each other, build each other up. Because my weakness may be your strength. Your strength may be my weakness. And you can support me, and I can support you. And that's the, that's the joy of diversity. That's the joy of being different. Marriage, look at marriage. Every husband and wife who's been together any amount of time will tell you they're not alike. They don't see eye to eye on everything. Sometimes a lot of things. But it's okay. It's not bad. It's just different. I mean, married couples, will you agree? It's not bad. It's just different. And different is not a bad thing. It's, it's a good thing. And you love each other. And there's no tighter bond between a man and a woman who love each other. And though they're different, that love can exist. They're diverse. In marriage, they're diverse. And that's what we need as the body of Christ. That's what we're looking for within our church community and within the world. Go ahead. Diversity is in our DNA. As Scott read earlier in our church statement, we are a diverse community of disciples. We are a diverse community of disciples. That is our church's goal. Delivering the good news of the kingdom to our neighbors and the nations until everyone and everything is under dignified and powerful rule of Jesus. I would say that if we're not diverse, we cannot accomplish the other parts of our mission statement. If we all look the same, if we're all white male adults, we have one target audience that we may be able to reach. If we're men and women, that's two target audiences. If we're young and old, that's another target audience. If we're Latino and white and Canadian and whatever else, <laughs> that's diversity and that's being able to accomplish our mission of reaching to every nation. Uh, on, our, on the website uh, are listed our, church, our church's specific values. Diversity is listed as number one. The first thing on the website is our church values, diversity. Then community, discipleship, good news, the kingdom of God, local and global outreach, the potential of redemption for everyone and everything, and a bright future. Again, I'll say if we don't have diversity, I don't think we can accomplish those goals because we're not reaching a large enough audience. Diversity is more than color. It's not about the color of our skin. It's a diversity of backgrounds and beliefs. If everyone grew up in the church and came from a church home, they would not have the experiences like Scott sometimes talks about being unchurched when he was a youth. And they could not relate to people who have been unchurched. If you've never been outside of the church, you cannot relate to people who, have, who are outside of the church. And that's why we need diversity. 
If there's no atheists, agnostics, gays, Jews, Muslims, Latinos in our life, do we have our arms open wide enough for the sake of the kingdom? Are we reaching enough people if, if we don't... If, if you cannot identify an atheist, an agnostic, a gay, a Jew, a Muslim, or a Latino in your life, are you have your arms wide enough open? Like I said, there was a diversity of messages at the conference about diversity, and Dorothy had a little bit different experience, and she'd like to share that with you. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. <clears throat> Robert and I also were very diverse, <laughs> and we've enjoyed that. Um, supported each other where we were weak. Um, well, I, I was very late in packing and getting to the airport. I know that's a surprise for some of y'all. And the only thing that was later than I was um, was my flight. So then came the mad dash in Dallas to catch my connecting flight to Chile just in time before the doors closed, but my suitcase did not make it. When I arrived at the airport, sure enough, no suitcase till the following day when it was to be delivered after I was already at the first meeting. Um, Let's just say after a bad rub with a not very nice drunken passenger on the first flight and an ill-mannered flight attendant on the second flight, I wasn't feeling very spiritual, which is why I absolutely panicked when my wonderful host family, Sergio and his wife Estrella, and their three teenage kids informed me while we were driving from the airport, sandwiched in a very small four-passenger car, that they had requested a special session of their home group to meet in his house so I could bring them the message that night. Me deliver the message? Last time I came to Chile, I came only as the translator. Even then, when I finally landed in their home group, I had already had some spiritually empowering encounters before being able to minister in power to them in a way that I had really never done before and I knew I couldn't possibly duplicate now. I was given a few minutes in private to collect my thoughts And after thumbing through the Bible desperately and praying even more desperately, I decided to just let God's message be what he was doing in my life. I shared about promises I believed I heard from God and how when God speaks prophetically, how it seems like he's talking about tomorrow or next week. But what I'm finding out is that he really might mean a decade later that I've had to go through the death of a dream before the dream can be resurrected into something greater than I imagined. I didn't know it then, but my message really encouraged a man named Rodrigo, who I got to know better as he hung out with Sergio, his mentor, and I during the conference. Rodrigo is uh, only a month-old believer and recently had his wife run away with another man. In fact, my message ministered to several there, and we had a wonderful time of prayer and ministering to one another that evening. Wow, thank you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) The first morning before the official conference started, I was taken to a ministry meeting where John and Eleanor Munfred, the keynote speakers of the conference, were to speak to the pastors. 
John Munford explained, I'm saying his name wrong, aren't I? Mumford, Mumford. Mumford explained the vineyard values really well. The call of God and how we did not randomly come to this church by chance, but that God has planted each one of us here. The importance of community and how that has to go hand in hand with our relationship with God. He said, the person who says, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't go near the church, is like saying I liked boiled ice. It was funny when he said it in his accent. (laughs) Finally, the distinctest or DNA of the vineyard as to how we practice church life. For example, our understanding of the kingdom and how it's here and for us now, as well as not yet, so that when we don't see prayer manifested, we don't go through performance issues or a face crisis, faith crisis. Our belief in the ongoing, unlimited ministry of the Holy Spirit and our commitment to experience the triune God, Father, Holy Spirit, whoops, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who are eager to be experienced by all. Our desire to be worshipers of God as well as rescuers of men and women by expressing the love and compassionate justice and mercy of God. How everyone gets to play, as John Winford put it, John Wimber put it, it's not all about the pastor and the rest of us clapping from the pew. Finally, the vineyard is a place where you can freely come as you are without judgment and then lovingly be encouraged to not stay as you are. Up until now, my loyalties had been to this church, had been to the people you all here at River City. But after going to this conference, I understand how good a fit the vineyard is for us. And I've come to own the vineyard movement as my own. It was also really fun to hear about how the Mumfords met John Wimber, what they thought of him, and even better, what it was like meeting the Holy Spirit. Eleanor is very poised. She has a wonderfully proper British accent and looks like the Queen of England, doesn't she? (laughs) And yet she's delightfully down to earth now that the Holy Spirit has gotten a hold of her. However, to hear how they reacted at first to John Wimber and his healing meetings was quite a hoot. In spite of all their propriety and poshness, the Mumfords were miraculously healed, which just shattered their theological boxes. Beyond the humor, and even when I learned about the history, my special takeaway from that meeting was when she told of a time when D.L. Moody offended a lady, who then proceeded to ask the question, that was probably more of an accusation than a question. She said, are you, Mr. Moody, indeed filled with the Holy Spirit? To which he replied, yes, madam, but I leak. As I listened to her speak, I realized that we all leak. And then instead of feeling guilty when I'm not being spiritual, like after two bad flights, I can very easily simply say her favorite prayer, Please come, Holy Spirit, because I leak. Amen to that one. However, before I was able to put the prayer into practice, I was swallowed up by the delightful and overwhelming intensity characteristic to mission trips, at least the ones I've been on. So many people to reconnect with, new faces to meet, and of course my wonderful, loving host family, who we can't ever seem to get enough words and hugs even after staying up late every night. 
By the way, they send their greetings, and they want you all to know that they pray for each and every one of us at the church. They pray for us here at River City Vineyard. After three days of conference and nonstop relational connectivity, I had leaked a lot. In the midst of all of this, I met the Bolivian pastors and partnership team, and I felt a definite spiritual tug towards Bolivia. But I had thought that we were to move to Chile, and that I was to open a Juice Plus office in Chile. Bolivia is not Chile. In fact, when it comes to a business-friendly environment, it definitely is not Chile. Besides, our church doesn't have a Bolivian pastorship. They have a Chileno partnership. How was I going to make everything work? My mind wouldn't stop reeling, and I found myself unable to worship. So my, I made my escape to the safest, quietest place I could find, a stall in the woman's bathroom. I tried to pray. I tried to find rest, but my mind had so much static going on, nothing I tried worked. Did I remember to breathe and say, come, Holy Spirit, I've leaked? No. All I could say was a desperate, pitiful little plea, Lord, I feel so overwhelmed and awful. I just want to rest my mind. I just want to be still in you. Finding no more peace than I had before, I rejoined the conference when the music stopped and David Roos, the pastor from Hollywood, California, took the stage. That was him, by the way, the last guy speaking on the video. What happened next was really amazing. He started to deliver his message, but had to stop and meditate. Can you imagine meditating on a stage in front of a thousand people who are waiting for you to speak? Not only did he not give in to that pressure, but he just sat there with his eyes closed in that introspective manner for what seemed like five minutes. Then, when he finally spoke, he said that the message he had prepared was not what God wanted him to give. This was different. He then said, I feel like we just need to stop and rest. This perked my ears. He said, if we don't allow moments to rest and reflect, and reflect, we lose our inner peace and begin to unravel from the inside out, and relationships start to fray, and we can't slow down enough, long enough to listen to God and others. He spoke of Hebrews 4, where we're told to work hard at entering rest. He said that was kind of silly, but it's work hard at rest. This is a place where you truly experience the sovereignty of God in your past, present, and future. Every sentence he said was like he was reading my thoughts, a place that settles my mind when I feel like my mind is going insane, that allows me to just let go and leave the results to God, where I don't have to make anything happen but let the kingdom of heaven come instead of letting anxiety rule in my life where our lack of unity and our insecurity in the midst of trying to prove something to others subsides. Sadly, I have not been in the practice of cultivating this kind of peace as a way of life. He asked how many here are feeling the pressure to make things happen, weighed down by obligations, expectations, busy schedules, and many other things that tear life from us. He shared about the pressures that they've experienced while trying to plant a church in Hollywood and how they've had to learn to come out of the craziness of life and just stop. 
and invite the peace of heaven to slow them down. How only then they've seen more transformation happen again and again. He spoke to the pastors and said, It's his church, not yours. Jesus is building his church movement by movement and people by people, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I've tired of building things that hell destroys. Lord, help me see and find what you are doing and do that only. He ended by speaking of being led astray in your mind from a simple and pure devotion to Jesus. When used in 2 Corinthians 11, it doesn't mean stupid. The word simple doesn't mean stupid or unsophisticated, but uncomplicated and pure. Just trusting Jesus, who he is, seeing what the Father is doing, and resting in all that he is. When he asked if anyone felt the need to come forward and be prayed for regarding this peace, I joined the crowd that quickly formed in front for prayer. I experienced a great peace that night. And as soon as we finish, Robert and I would like to pray for anyone who's feeling a need for that kind of peace. I can't end, however, without first telling you that God continues to speak prophetically through my luggage. If you weren't here to hear about my prophetic luggage saga on the first trip, please ask me about that later because it's a story worth telling. Now on this trip, during the second day of wearing the same travel warm-ups I had slept in, because my luggage had not arrived, I was ministered to in prayer by a stranger from the U.S. Northeast. She prayed for me during the time of prayer at the pastor's meeting when we were to pray for each other. Because I had arrived late and after introductions, I knew she didn't know anything about me or my luggage, much less how insecure I felt among the ladies who were all dolled up in their outfits and matching heels. She just said to me that she felt God wanted me to know that I didn't need nice clothes because I was clothed with Christ. I stopped feeling naked after that. I mean, what better name brand can you wear than that of Jesus? My suitcase did finally arrive, but it was all busted up. The new suitcase that I had bought on my last trip to replace my last suitcase that had busted in Chile was now all busted up too. Here's the funny thing. Not only did the airline in Chile give me a replacement suitcase that was bigger and better than the original, the same airline in the U.S., sent me another, similar, bigger and better matching suitcase to my front door here without my even requesting it. (laughs) Now I have two brand new big rolling suitcases. And I believe they are confirming what Mike and I and others have heard. The next time I go to South America, we will be going as a family. What, where, and how that looks like, I still don't know but I'm resting in the one who holds all things together, even my luggage. Y'all have been a kind audience, and if I may impose one more thing, Estrella, she was the woman you saw at the table smiling and then with the juice, big juice bottle, that was juice, by the way, um, laughing. That's Estrella. She's my host mom in Chile. Uh, She has the three teenage boys, and and Sergio's her husband. She has just um, had several medical issues arise, 
including several lesions that have been detected on her liver and are of great concern. This family has been such a blessing to Robert and I. Uh, we would ask that you could just end by praying for her, that we could just end by praying for her. So w- would anybody volunteer to do that? Thank you. And, and, and after that, Robert and I will be in the corner if anybody wants prayer for anything that God put on your heart this morning. So thank you, uh, Robert. Thank you, Dorothy. When we send people out, they go for our community. And when they come back, they share with our community the things that God has taught them. They're very selective. God taught them a lot more, but they, they picked out those things that they thought Jesus would want us as a community to learn from. So Dorothy and Mike, I mean, Dorothy, Mike, yeah, will join. And Robert, Kelly, uh, will be over here. And, and I heard two things. One, uh, if, if, our, if our arms are not wide enough to reach out to people that are different than us, I mean, a lot of that is just is fear. And then part of that is also condemnation. We sometimes forget that Jesus came to save sinners, and we've all been there. Uh, Jesus saves us at our worst, not at our best. You know, we don't clean up our act and then get saved. We forget that. I mean, that, that's one of the things that I'm really grateful for my unchurched background. I, I haven't forgotten that. I wasn't in the church all my life. And I was a mess at 17, and Jesus saved me because he saves kids that are 17 and they're a mess. And I don't want to ever forget that. And I don't want us ever to have a spirit of condemnation. And we want to have doors that are wide open that the worst people on the planet could walk through those doors and that we would be hospitable because we know that God is hospitable to those that are his enemies. Wow. So if, we're, if, we're not, if our arms aren't that wide, then Robert wants to pray for us. And, and I've learned this, what, what God imparts to somebody, they can give away to others. And so if that's something that you really desire and that you just know that your world is too small, then let Robert pray for you today before you go. And then what, what I heard from Dorothy was, you know, are we too busy trying to make things happen rather than stopping, resting, following the instructions that Jesus gives us. So if that's you, there's an opportunity. We don't force anybody. Uh, what, what I, I know this, if there's any little tinge of, yeah, that's me, I need that, do it. Because if you don't do it, don't act on impulse, you'll walk out the door and it's not that God won't meet you elsewhere. I mean, it's not like you, you've missed it. Sorry, you're not going to heaven because you can get prayer today. It's not that at all. It's just there's an opportunity here. And God's breaking in in this moment. So take advantage of that. Thanks for our time together. It's great to see you. Uh, It's great to start the holiday season together. God bless you. Take advantage of the prayer. Hug each other before you go. See you later.